Hello and welcome to the It Depends podcast, your alternative guide to the often mystifying world of psychometrics. In each episode, your hosts, myself, Tim Burnett, and the brilliant Dr. Amanda Danis, will serve you a cocktail of psychometric wisdom garnished with a twist of sarcasm and humor. Our mission, to help you actually enjoy the process of building better tests. So grab your favorite beverage and get ready to dive into the awesome world of psychometrics. So welcome to the Independence podcast. My name's Tim Burnett. I'm here with Amanda Danis. Hello, Amanda. Hey, Tim. How are you this morning? Well, it's afternoon Hi. for you. I'm sort of recovering. I went to uh, ASAE last week. Now, that's um, a conference I've never been to. What's, what's it like? Um, it's insanity. So it's the American Society of Association Exec- Executives. So it's basically an association for associations. And so the conference is in a huge city every year and the city just goes completely all out and the conference people go all out. So for example, our opening event was in the Georgia Falcons football stadium on the football field with TLC doing a private concert. Well, minus the L because yes, rest in peace, Lisa. But, um, and then the end event was they rented out the Georgia Aquarium, which was like the coolest place. I hadn't been there yet. Um, and Wolfgang Puck catered it and he came out and talked to everybody. And um, and also there are sessions, I think, there. <laughs> but <laughs> some, some content, yeah, yeah. There's some sort of stuff, um, but I think the content is actually very good. Uh, but we do a booth there. So I actually exhibited and had a booth and we did a Prosecco with the professor. So we had Prosecco at our booth and it was really fun. Nice. But it's exhausting for an introvert. So I came home and just kind of hibernated for a few days. But it was good. And how many people go to it? Is it a big, big attendance? I want to say 4,000 or something like that. Blimey. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. So it was in the Georgia World Congress Center, which takes like a half an hour to walk from one end to the next. And like I got lost multiple times. And um, yeah, it's it's cra- It's a great conference. Um, you, you learn a lot. There's a ton of networking. Um, there's so much good swag. There's bourbon tastings at like 10 a.m. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, and they're all extroverts, right? Because the industry just by, you know, by uh, creation is just, you have to be extroverted to be an association person. So yeah. I go and by the end of the day, I just, I can't even speak. I'm like, I'm so exhausted <laughs> and I just don't even want to talk to anybody. So, um, but it's a lot of fun. It's a good conference. Yeah, so yeah, I suppose the listener, if you if you've got one on your your radar to go to and you want something that's well, I suppose the swag would attract me. Um I'm always yeah. a sucker for the, the swag. The swag is good, the food is awesome, um, and the sessions, you know, I encourage you, you can go online and look at their uh look at their programs and stuff, and they do some really cool sessions and some really good stuff about even leader even more general stuff like leadership, diversity. Um, inclusion, um, working with board members and committee members and stuff like that. So they do a lot of really good content. I need to throw that in there after I've just talked about the booze and the food. That's good. Well, massive contrast to my uh, week in a caravan in North Wales. Um, But that sounds lovely to me. (laughs) I I feel like we should trade places because I think you would have done better at ASAE than I would have. So and I would well, go to know, a caravan and like knit and read a book, and I would be very happy. <laughs> I uh, well, I I, uh, I I should have made the more of the moment, the time, but the downtime when the kids are asleep. But I, I I've got a habit at the moment of watching Downton Abbey. Um, I probably on like <sighs> the, the, my fourth 
first fourth run through. I was going to say, I've, have you not watched it before? Yeah, I've, I've, for some reason I'm kind of drawn to watching it again. So I uh, just finished the fall. You know, I'm obsessed. Oh with yeah, it. I always watch British yeah. crime shows, and it was so good. Yeah, it no, I need little. to watch them. I think you're you're way ahead of me on those at the moment. I need to catch back up with that. But um, well, the fall is a little bit intense and a little, mm. yeah, it's a lot, but it's very is that, good. Is that the one set in Northern Ireland? It's in Belfast, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it was good, but I think we should we talk about something psychometrics. Well, yeah, maybe that's, that's <laughs> okay. Yeah, maybe let's move on to that. So <laughs> what we were going to talk about this time was uh, job task analysis, so JTA. So you know, I suppose my question to you is: Do you always need to use a JTA? It depends, Tim. Actually. Uh, no, <laughs> so it depends on what the goal is of your exam. So if you're, the goal of your exam is to create a certificate program, which if you think about even like a grade at the end of a school course or even a college degree or university degree is a certificate. It shows, it proves that you have learned some sort of knowledge and you have acquired this knowledge through a training or a course or something. And then there's usually an assessment or a series of assessments that you have to pass or do well on to receive this certificate. Um, that's that basis. Certification, and of course, we have to make the words very similar because why not make yeah, it even more not? confusing? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, a certification is when the exam is sits alone um, and it's not tied directly to a training. It is more tied to a JTA, a job task analysis. Um, if you are building a certification exam that has to do with a job, then I would say, yes, a JTA is necessary. And the JTA as a foundation can feed both the curriculum or the course and the exam, but it should feed them separately um, because you want your exam to be based off of the knowledge, skills, and abilities needed to do the job, not just what people learned on a slideshow or what they read in a book, but can they actually perform the job? So I would say if you're building a certification exam, then yes, it is always necessary. You must do one. Um, it can be called different things. Uh, yeah. Role delineation study, practice analysis, job analysis. There's lots of different ways uh, to talk about it. And I think most of us, we have our particular terms that we use, usually what we learned in grad school as <laughs> to what we, how we say it. Um, I always say a JTA. So I would say when in doubt, I would probably do one because even if you, if you're anywhere in the IO, HR, job role, organizational psychology world, even if you're going to create a training out of it, you need to be able to base that off of something. And that should be a job task analysis. So, um, so just winding it back a little bit then. So what's involved in the process? When do you start doing, you know, job task analysis? Um, when, you know, when, when does it start? Let's start with that bit. Yeah, I think it starts in your planning phase when you're figuring out, do we want to do a certification? Do we want to build this program? Or has this program already been out for a while and I've come on board? We get that a lot of, of clients come in and they say, this exam has been out for 10 years. We have no idea where it came from. We don't know how it started. We don't know where the questions, I mean, you know, there's just not a lot of, of history, legacy there. Um so I think the JTA needs to be done usually in general five to seven years, depending on the industry, because it jobs change, so, so technology kind of, changes. Yeah. yeah. So you, you keep every every that five to seven years. And do you think it's possible that 
uh, are there many qualifications or um, you know, any, are there many kind of certifications out there that um, that uh, have this? Uh, do, sorry, don't have this in place. Are they? Um, you know, is it is it a new thing to the industry, or is it always been around? It's not new to psychometrics or to proper test development. I would say it's been around for a long time, um, but I think more recently it's growing to be more of a thing in certification licensure or in other processes and not just an IO psychology. So industrial organizational psychology, they do JTAs all the time Hmm. Um, or in like HR stuff, they might do a job analysis because they're working on developing a good job description or working on their job structure, you know, and their organization, like how do people progress? What are the skills they need before they can be promoted? That type of thing. Um, but it looks a little bit different when you're when the end goal is to develop a curriculum or a test. And I don't think that they're new. I do think that there are a lot out there, a lot of programs out there that don't use one hmm. or didn't use one. Um, I get it all the time. People are like, what do you mean you make tests for a living? Like, why is that even a job? Right. Hmm. Um, you know, why, people just write test questions. It's just, it's simple. But mm. how do you know that those test questions are really measuring what you want them to measure? How do you know that they are asking about the right things for this job? How do you know that the person who's writing the test questions didn't have a different experience in the job role than a lot of other people? And so they're mm. missing a whole bunch of stuff that needs to be on the test. Um, so there's a lot of those like devil's advocacy questions that I can ask people when they say, oh, we didn't do a JTA. We just wrote a test. Mm. So how do you know mm. those things? Yeah. And they, did they, um, you know, when they kind of put them together, how would they have taken into consideration all the different, you know, let's say if you, you know, you've been a doctor, oh. there's many special specialities to it. You know, how granular would you take it? How, you know, how would you, how would you approach that if it was quite a complicated um, uh, job role? Yeah. So we approach that a lot because um, even in industries where it's not necessarily as, um, I don't want to say as important, but as, uh, life or death, right? As a doctor, um, there are job roles that are really, really complex and that take a lot, a lot, a lot of detail. I mean, we've learned, we joke about it all the time and that we've learned so much about these random jobs that like, we didn't even know was a thing, you know, like that's a thing and there's an association for it and there's an exam. Like, what is this? Uh, which is actually really a cool part of the job, but, um, the key, the key comes into getting a bunch of SMEs together, subject matter experts. So that's what you need in your life. Yeah. Um, and then that, that introduces a whole new, a whole new ball game, but you need SMEs from all different walks of the industry, different geographic locations. If it's a global certification, you need good representation from multiple countries. Um, lots of job roles have different, just like in a psychometrician, they can work in assessment, Yep. Higher ed, they can work in K through 12. They can work in IO. They can work in certification and licensure. Um, they can work in mental health assessment. So just like there are all those things, if I were to make a certified psychometr- psychometrician exam, I would have to be careful to have people from all of those walks of life. Otherwise, my exam would only really be for people in certification and licensure. And yeah. nobody else would be able to do well on it. And it wouldn't be fair to them. So if you're designing a certification that is overall good for an overall job role, you have to encompass all of those things. And if people have to study a little bit to take it, then that's fine. Okay. So and those those SMEs are are the key to a JTA. 
Excellent. And in terms of things like, so you've seen, you, you know, you encounter people coming along saying, you know, we need to do this job task analysis. We, we've never had one ever. Is that because, you know, they're, they're obviously, you know, historically they've never been in that position where they've, they thought it was important or are they going through some kind of accreditation process? You know, do you find that people wanted to get their qualifications accredited would go through a JTA process. Can you get accredited without a JTA? You cannot. So you could not go through a 17024 accreditation, which is ANAB. It used to be ANSI. Um, You could not get through that or through NCCA accreditation without having a JTA. You must. If you were going through accreditation for a certificate program like ASTM 2659, which is for certificate, that's a different process. It's like a needs analysis. It's slightly mm. different, um, but the JTA has to be done. And I would say we get clients who either read about a JTA process and we're like, oh, we don't think we've ever done this. We probably should do it. Or they're trying to go through accreditation or they've had a legal challenge to their exam and they mm. cannot back it up because mm. the JTA is the like driving force behind that exam content. So it becomes really important. Okay, so if someone came up to you and said, right, um, where do I start with this, Amanda? Yeah, we need to do a JTA. Yeah, what would you say this, the steps, the initial steps through? You mentioned about SME, uh, SME engagement. Or yeah, SME. I would say recruit recruit your SMEs is like the first step. So you need, uh, depending on how broad the industry is and depending on, um, you know, what your sample size of your industry, we work with some groups where they certify 30 people a year. It's a very, very mm-hmm. small industry or some that certify, you know, 10,000 a year. So depending on availability and what you can get, you would recruit your SMEs uh, anywhere from five to 10, I would say. Um, And you would hold a workshop. You would have a facilitator who would go through the job role. They'd do some background research, maybe some market trends. How has the job changed since the last one? Or what does it look like right now if you've never done one? Um, you would need to do a little bit of an analysis with your psychometrician to make sure that your sampling for your SMEs is good, Mm. you have good representation. You know, you don't want to have seven SMEs and five of them are all from one organization. Yeah. Right. So because they are going to do that job in a very specific way. Um, So you want to have good representation, do the workshop, you come up with this big content outline that is a list of all the, and people call them different things, right? They can be called competencies. They can be called KSAs, which is knowledge, skills, and abilities. We do knowledge and task statements. That's how we work. Um, I just like the two, there's just two categories for us because otherwise it gets really complicated. Um, And then normally the best practice, I think, in my opinion, is to be able to send out a validation survey to incumbents in your area, in your industry. Um, if it's a really, really small industry and you don't have access to them or a lot of people, then maybe that looks a little bit different, but assuming all other things are, you know, it's a larger industry. You can get to people, you send out a survey and they will rate those competencies or skills or those tasks that have to be done on the job. They'll rate them on, people do it differently. You might rate them on frequency and importance. You might just rate them on importance. You might just rate them on how often you do it. And that comes back to your psychometrician. They do the analysis and this is where the cool piece comes in that usually people go, oh, that makes a lot of sense is because we analyze the weightings from the survey to be able to come up with your exam blueprint. So that's the deliverable. Uh And that's the blueprint that says, this is how many questions on the test need to be about this one thing. Uh 
Yeah. This is how many questions need to be about this group of things because you don't want somebody to go in. They've paid to take an exam. They've studied really hard. They go in to take it and they say half of that exam was about something that I do once a month yeah. for 2% of my time. Then yeah. there's no face validity. You're not measuring a good, you know, a good snapshot of the job. Um, so that blueprint is where those weightings come in and say, this is really important and we do it a lot. We've got to ask a lot of questions about this. Um, and that's how that is justified. And that's why it's really kind of one of the legal tenets of a good exam. Sorry, um, I, I went on a tangent, but that's... No, 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 no. It's, it's yeah. good. I, sp I suppose as well, just going back to that very point, first point though, about the kind of recruiting the SMEs, what what would the associations say to this, you know, to... to to that call what would they how would they position that call you know how would oh, they kind of there know? are there are many 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 conference sessions on that and many many takes on it and <laughs> um and it again it depends i get to say it twice today um if you have money and yeah. you have a large sample size of SMEs, you can pay them we have a, some clients that pay their SMEs. they pay them like a contracted like hourly rate great Lots of times associations and certification bodies do not have money to pay. So you are begging people to volunteer their time. They have a full-time job. Hopefully their employer is uh, supportive and looks at it as like professional development. Uh, we like to call our SMEs our credential ambassadors uh, because they're going to give you free PR, whether it's good or bad. So you want it to be good. Yeah. And you want to talk it up. You can, we like to give out applications to be a SME instead of a recruitment form. So you make it sound like, because it is, I mean, they're really kind of going to set this new bar, yeah. you know, and really define what the job role is for the next five to seven years. Um, and they can put it on their CV. They can list it. Um, you know, they can post about it on LinkedIn. Some groups will give uh, continuing education credits for your time spent on a committee. Um, so lots of different stuff like that. And sometimes the workshops are really fun and they, sometimes if you don't have a ton of money to pay for their time, but you can pay for their travel and their expenses and they get to sit around with a bunch of their peers and we do a dinner and it's really fun. Um, but you want them to have a good experience so that they go out into the world and they tell their people, mm -hmm. um, hey, they're redoing the exam and it's really cool. I got to have a lot of input. So-and-so was there. We put a lot of input. It's really going to be, you know, a great measurement tool now. Um, so it's the, your SMEs can be the bane of your existence, but they can also save your program. So it's a good, it's a really important fact to work with them. And do, do you find that um, if you don't pay them, does that skew the, the potential, um, you know, the diversity of the pool? Yeah, or I mean, even it if can, you do pay them. It, yeah. it depends on the industry. Um, some industries are, I would say the industries that are very, very technical, where they're highly, highly trained, they expect to be paid. Yeah. Um, industries where they're, they're, it's not so specific training that led them to be an expert. And I think they're not as, it, it, yeah, it, it honestly, it really, really depends. Like, oh, God, okay, I can't say it anymore today. I, I need a limit. No, no, no. Like, I, I know. I know, we're calling bing, the podcast. Bing, 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 bing. I know we're calling the podcast. It depends, but I feel like I need like a, okay, she can say it two times to six times, but after that, she can't say it anymore. Every now and uh, again, you're going to have to give a straight answer, Amanda. I know, I know. But <laughs> no, it, you know what? I was thinking about this the other day. I read something about um, 
answering a question if you're a neurodivergent or something and it was like you can't just answer the question you have to have more data right it's not that it, it depends but it's that i just can't answer with just the information that you've given me so i need all the variables and then i can give you a straight answer so that's why we say it depends all the time it's but, not that there isn't a straight answer we just don't have all the information yet <laughs> yeah okay no no it just be too much of a long title call it all the variables it depends. All the variables, and then it All depends. The yeah. So what's the hardest part <laughs> of doing a JTX? Is it the recruitment? Um, sometimes. Hmm. Instead of it depends, I say sometimes. Sometimes the recruitment is tough. Sometimes getting your, your SMEs to follow through if you're doing it virtually is tough. So we started hmm. doing them virtually a lot during COVID, obviously. Now we do about half and half virtual versus in-person. Uh, we prefer in-person the the back and forth between SMEs is better. We get them in a captive audience. Mm. Uh, it's not dragging on. Sometimes their homework isn't complete if we do it virtually and they drop off because they get busy and they can't finish it. Um, I would say that's a hard part. Sometimes the hard part is administering the survey and making sure that you're getting a good representation mm. in the survey because you might have some organizations that are really behind this. You know, Maybe they're somehow associated with the certification body and even though everybody's being impartial and doing what they're supposed to do, they're just there's a cheerleader on there who is just like, we're all going to answer the survey. And then there's some other organizations where they're like, what is happening? Um, and we collect all the demographic data from the respondents so we can make sure that our sample has a good representation of what the industry looks like. Um, I would say that's probably one of the hardest things. The other thing is facilitating with your SMEs because when you get experts in the room, if some of them do things differently, mm. there's, I mean, I've seen some like flat out yelling arguments about the proper way to do something yeah. um, and people have left the room. And so it, it becomes, you know, Michael, uh, who's on my team is sort of our JTA expert. He's very patient and he's very calm and he handles those situations differently than I do. And depending on the group, one approach works versus the other. Um, but, you know, they get really heated and you have to be able to find a common ground and say, okay, how are we going to word that task statement or that competency statement in a way that can accommodate both of your approaches? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because it is, it's perfectly valid that maybe half the industry does it one way and half the industry does it the other, and it's not necessarily wrong. Yeah. Um, so that's a, there's some nuances there that sometimes drive me a little bit crazy. So JTAs are not in my, they're not my biggest strength. I would say I do them most of the time. They're okay. Uh, Michael's phenomenal at doing them. Um, but yeah, there's some nuances in there that you have to be able to catch and it negotiate. Like yeah, I'm going to say it sounds like you. it is a negotiation process. Is that a frequent thing where there's negotiation needed or is it you know, more often that everything works fine? So if it's a brand new JTA where they've never done one before, there's a lot of negotiation. Yeah. If it's a JTA refresh, which is sort of our informal word for when we do one that's already been done and they're just updating it, there tends to be less gray area you know people have a document in front of them they're like okay we need to update this word or we don't use this term anymore this tool yeah. isn't being used those are a little bit more straightforward um however sometimes you get a subject matter expert that comes in for a jta refresh 
who wasn't on the first committee, which is fine, mm. great. You want more yep. diversity. And they say, I haven't liked this outline in five years and I have a bone to pick and I'm going to argue everything. So there's, there's often one of those people in there too. So a lot of it is dealing with personalities and facilitating. And sometimes it's really, really hard for the certification body, the association staff or whoever it is to deal with the experts because they have to keep them happy. So they really like having a third party like us yeah. come in because they can kind of blame us. And they say, well, Amanda said it has to be done this way. <laughs> I get blamed a lot. I go, I go on board meetings and people are like, Amanda's coming to tell us how we have to do this. I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. But I can imagine that that would because the, the, they've got to have that relationship going forward, haven't they? And you, you, they can't exactly. damage that relationship. But at the end of the day, they need to get a high quality, you know, documents back out of the uh, the process. So yeah, yeah, having that third party. And know, lots of times it, it boils down to. I mean, I remember when I first started doing this on my own, uh, and going into a board meeting where I was probably the only female. And I was also younger by 20 years of those board of experts or whatever, and really having to just convince them over, over a time period of, okay, you're an expert in your field, but guess what? I'm an expert in my field. So this is how you have to do it. And it's one of the only times that I insist on being called doctor sometimes if they are being difficult. And then usually by the end of the workshop, I'm, I'm back to Amanda, but, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to come in and be like, you've been doing it this way for 20 years, but I'm here to tell you that it's wrong and you need to fix it. Um, so if you're, in a nice JTA, if you're in a JTA meeting with Amanda and she says, starts insisting <laughs> that you call a doctor, then, you know, you know, you're in trouble. You know, things need to be. Uh, it's either you or, or one of your, one of your peers is misbehaving. Like, uh, it's doctor. <laughs> and I, I hate doing that. I mean, even when I was a professor, nobody called me doctor, but. Once in a while, you have to you have to flex a little bit and be like, I understand that you're experts, but you've got to trust me on this. So yeah, no, I think sometimes, and I, and I think sometimes people respect that authority in that situation. Sometimes, um. which is silly, but it sometimes it works better. And like I said, my goal is to always get back to Amanda by the end of the workshop. But once in a while, I have to throw it out there. And do you, I suppose going back to the SMEs just slightly? Do you, you know? Do you always need to listen to the SMEs? Yeah, you know, SMEs, SMEs. No. Yeah. Okay. No, Why you is don't. That? Um, because you can always have one or two, hopefully not more than that, who have done things their own way for a long time. And they insist on this is the way the job should be done. This is the way the industry should be done. I don't agree with that standard. I don't agree with how this person does it. And they are just that person that just that you have to be able to recognize that personality. That's just going to be contrarian. Is that a yeah. word? Contrary, contrary, contrarian. Contrary. Um, to the rest of the group just to be flexing their knowledge or just try to be bossy or just because they simply don't agree. I mean, we as psychometricians argue all the time amongst ourselves about, you know, rules of thumb for things, right? Like this coefficient should be what as a minimum or whatever. And if you just have that person that won't back down, that doesn't listen to an entire other group of people saying nobody else does it that way, mm. we're not going to consider, we're not going to put a lot of faith in that thing that he's saying um it's the same thing with question review when we have items go through sneeze reviews and if we have five sneeze look at a question and they're like this is great yeah looks good only one correct answer and we have one guy who by that point we probably know him pretty well uh or a woman it's been a woman before so i shouldn't be sexist say 
I disagree because it's blah, blah, blah. And if you look at the comment sheet on the reviews of the items, they have commented on every single item that they didn't write. Mm. You tend to not put as much weight in their feedback, unfortunately. But there's usually one in every group. I mean, we always just say, okay, here's one. This is who it is. You know, we're going to, we're not going to throw it out. We're going to consider it. But if nobody else agrees, that's the reason why you have a panel. That's yeah. the reason why this one person doesn't just write the entire test Yeah, because yeah. you need everybody to agree and all the feedback. So, I, yeah, I think, I think everyone, if they're just left to their own devices, they would just design it around themselves when they, that, that that's, that's your way. It well, is. that's your, your human experience, right? Yeah. So you, what you know about the job role, what we do like is when we get really good experts, who as a group, we just did a JTA in Chicago um, for supply chain management. And they were awesome because they all were like, oh, I heard that in this part, you guys do this, this, and this. And then that expert would say, yeah, we do do that. And they learned so much from each other. And they were super supportive about what all the other ones were doing. I mean, we had some big players at the table. I heard that you guys did this, or I saw you know, in the, in the New York times that you guys did this and we want to start implementing that. How did you do it? Mm. And they were all learned. It was, it was awesome. And they were all supportive and we did not have one of those people in that group. So it went really, really well. And I would, I would argue that it was the certification staff that made that happen because they chose their experts very, very, very well. Good mm. representation. Yeah. So it goes back to that SME recruitment. It boils down to who's on your panel for your JTA. Excellent. Excellent. So let's re recap for the listening then. Just them. So in terms of the, the names that these go by, they don't all go by the same name. Just give me real off the other names that they, they go by. Job analysis, practice analysis, job task analysis, which is what I call it, yeah. uh, role delineation study. I'm sure there are more. If we were so taking you, callers, we would have callers calling in and being like, what about this? What about this? But yeah, so if you. Ones. So the listener hears any of those terms, then we're basically talking about the same thing. In terms of the process, it's about uh, first the recruitment, the SMEs. What's next? Just, just very quickly through those, those stages. Recruitment of SMEs, workshop, either virtual or in person, hopefully in person, but sometimes you can't make that happen. Uh, development of that outline of competencies and knowledge and tasks. Survey of the industry. Hopefully you get a really good sample size and then analyze it to come up with the exam blueprint that your committee then has to approve. So they get to still say, yeah, this looks right. Or mm, the survey was weird. This is not what we intended for the certification exam. We have to wiggle this a little bit. But most of the time, the survey just validates what the experts do because the experts were chosen well. And what 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 are you looking for at the end of that process? And what's the... What's the that exam blueprint, that blueprint okay. that tells you this is how many questions on the test need to be about this versus this versus this. Yeah. Okay, and then that can then feed into the, the actual writing of the items that we... Yep, and we'll then we go to the item writing. And yeah. We'll talk about that in a future episode for you. Um, and yeah, so hopefully that's given everyone a bit of a picture as to the JTA process, what's involved, um, where the awesomeness of Amanda and the team come in and help that... Well, and yeah. My disclaimer is that it, it still depends. It depends on the industry. It depends on your psychometric team. Some people will do things differently. Some people do a day come process. Um, you know, there's lots, there are other ways to do it. So if somebody doesn't do it the same way that I just said, it doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, you know, if you don't have a huge industry, maybe you don't really do a survey. That's really hard to do. Um, so it just depends. It, uh, it depends. <laughs> Sorry. That's why we call it independence. That's why we call it. We're just embracing it. We're just embracing it. 
yeah, love it. Yeah, so okay, so thank you. Hopefully that was uh, useful to everyone listening. Um, if you've got any comments, you've got any questions that you want to put to Amanda in future episodes of this, um, if you want to find out a bit more about either this process or other aspects of uh, psychometrics, then please do uh, send those in. Um, yeah, give us a get in contact. There'll be an email address, etc., at the bottom of the uh, podcast notes. Uh, so please look at those and don't forget to follow myself and Amanda. Uh, on LinkedIn as well, if you want to keep in touch with what we're up to. And yeah, just keep listening. Next time we're going to be talking about cut scores, aren't we, Amanda? Yes, it is It is the, the root of all evil for most certification exams, most tests. Yes, Excellent. we will get so, into that. Yeah. So if you want to unpick cut scores a little bit more, then uh, tune in. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Amanda, for, uh, for answering all those, uh, I was going to say tough questions, but it seemed very tough, but the answers were expert questions no they're they are tough questions but it's they're um not infrequent so i get to answer them a lot because a lot of people have the same questions so it's a good thing to talk about it here excellent and uh, stay tuned for future episodes thank you and goodbye thanks tim bye